Hi ladies, it is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com and I am really excited to be here with you today. I'm especially excited to share this podcast episode with you. Uh, I kind of gave a start to it a couple weeks ago when we talked about the family dinner challenge and so this one's a follow-up where I talk a bit about how I got our breakfasts and lunches in order too after starting with the family dinner challenge. This came after, but learning some of the things that I learned with the family dinner challenge and putting them into practice to help us get all of our meal times to where I wanted them to be because they weren't really where I wanted them to be. So if you feel like your meal times aren't, I hope that this episode gives you some hope and some ideas that you can use for your own family. Okay, so I know that I told you about in the podcast episode on our Great Dinner Challenge, I told you about a few of the books that had inspired me. And one of them, I'm actually going to end up talking about them again, but one of them was French Kids Eat Everything. And I was, I, I got a whole lot out of that book, and I hope that you give it a read because it, it really will give you a whole lot. But One of the things that I noticed was how much emphasis the French place on the quality of food and the emphasis that they place on perhaps the formality of the meals. Not that I, I don't know, maybe it would seem stifling if I was in France. I don't know. I have some students in France, mama baby birthing students. In fact, my very first mama baby birthing graduate who then went on to have her sweet baby on my birthday, which was, that was a pretty fun coincidence, was in France, but you maybe you ladies can let me know, but I I think it would be kind of fun to experience the way that the French eat things just because, or the way that they eat and the way that their meals go, because it seems fascinating from what I read. And French kids eat everything, and it's always interesting to learn about new cultures, even if you feel a bit like a troglodyte while you're doing it. But one of the things that I noticed that kept coming out when I was looking at the book was the quality of the lunches that in fact the lunchtime meal seems to be the emphasis for everybody in France adults and children it seems to be the emphasis of the day and how that meal had quality even for school children and I knew that I needed to get our meal times back into gear One of the things that I did over the summer while I was focusing on other things was I took advantage of the fact that our local school system distributed meals to every child in the the area. Basically, I think anybody who drove by could get meals for their kids. It didn't matter even if you were in the district or in the county. But I went and picked up most of the kids' meals, and they actually provided lunches and breakfasts seven days a week, and you could pick up a couple times a week. And so I did that for a lot of the summer. And I'll admit that I was the, the breakfasts probably weren't the best quality. I felt like the lunches were of better quality than I would have expected. But still, when you're looking at it overall, it's not the best food ever. And so I knew that as that program came to an end and as our school year began in earnest, It was time for me to start looking at something different. And so what I looked at was, okay, what what would a French school child eat? And I actually found a website, and I'm going to have to make a note of this so that I can put it in the show notes to find the link. Um, I actually found a link where somebody had gone around... France and read the menus posted on several schools and then they had recorded them on the website. So I'm actually making a note right now so that I can put that in the show notes in case y'all want to see that. Um, 
But I looked at that. I kind of studied that and looked at, okay, what what do these menus typically look like? Not necessarily because I wanted to emulate them, but because I wanted to get a feel. And Karen LeBillon and French Kids Eat Everything gives a bit of a sense as well. For example, there are multiple courses and there are things that you always have in the meals. And so when I decided, okay, how am I going to set up our meals, I kind of looked at that as a model. So I was looking at the French lunches. Of course, we're working on our, at that point, we were in well into our 30-day dinner challenge, perhaps about to start the second one. But our family dinners, you know, had been significantly leveled up, to use a little bit of modern parlance. And I also wanted to get us back to good and nourishing breakfasts. All of that while homeschooling six kids, wrangling our toddler, running a business, making time for marriage, making time for my own academics and stuff and somehow finding some time for me and all of that. So how was I going to and how am I managing to make a quality breakfast? Uh, a rel- I don't know. I ultimately feel like the lunches are pretty simple, but I think if you look at the menus, which I'm going to give you all a chance if you go to the show notes to look at the actual lunchtime menus that I developed. Uh, but, you know, how do I manage to have a, a nourishing breakfast, kind of a fancy lunch and keep up with these dinner challenge dinners and not feel stressed? And I actually feel really good about it. Like I'm actually able to manage this. And not only that, most of the time I enjoy it. So that and and an and aside is right now I'm currently the one preparing almost all meals. Now throughout the years and I've had other people helping prepare the meals, but right now just because of the way things have shaken up with the kids' homeschool schedules and academics, um, I've got one child in college, I've got one child who's doing half of his day at homeschool and half of his day in a vocational training program, and and then the other kids are just doing other things. So you know I don't have anybody who's really helping with meals right now. So it's almost all me. And I think that's an important thing because I think sometimes moms will say, oh, well, you have, that's, that's one of the things that I get from other people a lot. Oh, you must be so happy that you have teenagers to help out. And in a way, sometimes that's true. But in a way, sometimes teenagers bring their own stress and they don't, they don't help. So some of my teens are more helpful than others. Um, but I just wanted to encourage you. I wanted to share that detail because I want to let you know that even with me being the one who's doing most of the meal preparation at this point, I'm still able to do this. And I I feel pretty good about it, so I want to share it with you. So let me go through some of the things that are helping me to manage to do this and feel really good about the quality of meals that our family's having. The first thing is meal planning, for sure. So I don't think that I could do this without meal planning. If I was just kind of going by the seat of my pants, I don't think that I could do it. And I also, one of the meal planning strategies that I talk about in Smart Mama Happy Baby and when moms ask me on Mama Baby birthing calls or if you've taken my postpartum class, I talk about this as an option. One of the methods that I use, I don't know it would that it would work so well, which is you have 30 meals or so that are family favorites and you always keep things stocked for those meals. Now, I do think it's good to have a list of family favorites that you can recycle regularly. But for me right now, I've got, and I'll t- talk to you a little bit more about this further on in the episode, but I've got to know what is being made that day. And I kind of need to know in advance. So right now... I'm doing meal planning in advance, and 
for suppers at least, I'm including the kids. Now I'm I'm almost to the point where we're through another 30 days of meals and I haven't decided yet, am I gonna have the kids give input on this go around or not. If I do, I might have them pick only one meal because I've been having them pick more, but I won't, and so I don't know, I just haven't decided yet because there's pros and cons to both. One of the pros, a big pro, is that they're really engaged with the meals. But now that we've kind of got things going, I feel like I can back off a little bit from quite so much kid involvement and quite, though it's it's been good in some ways because we've tried some recipes that we wouldn't otherwise try. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I'm not certain, but I do know that one thing that's helped me is doing the meal planning, including the kids, and doing it in 30-day blocks seems to work really well for me. Now, I've literally been meal planning for decades. So if you're just getting started with meal planning, this could feel overwhelming. I know that something that I've done through some seasons of my life is use a meal planning service. And I don't know any to recommend right now, even though I... I do have a full 52 weeks of menus in Smart Mama Happy Baby. If you're interested in that, you can go to smart, smartmamahappybaby.com. That's mama, M-A-M-A, smartmamahappybaby.com. Uh, and you can check those out. But otherwise, you know, I don't, I don't know a menu service right now to recommend just because I haven't looked at any in a while. But it can be something that's helpful for you if you've never done meal planning or even if you want to do that on a continuous basis. I know that for me coming out of stressful times and crisis seasons and that sort of thing, meal planning where somebody else does the meal planning and draws up the grocery list has been really helpful for me. So that might be somewhere to start if you've never done meal planning before. Planning 30 days of meals in one go can be difficult. Picking the recipes is not difficult. But putting together the grocery list can definitely feel like a Herculean task. So I don't want to sugarcoat anything. But to me, it's it's one or two hours of effort that I need to put in. And then I have everything listed out on a calendar and it's known. The thing that is probably the most important if you're going to grocery shop or if you're going to do a grocery list like that, is you can put all of your shelf-stable ingredients, and if you have enough space for meats in your freezer, you can put all of your shelf-stable ingredients and all of your meats. Those can all come in one shopping trip, and we'll talk more about this in a minute. But when you plan your meals, if you're going to plan a month in advance, you probably need to make sure that your produce is broken down into one or two week increments. Unless you're like the French and you go shop fresh every day. In that case, I have no idea what to tell you because I've never shopped like that. Because it's just not something, it's just not something that's done here, at least in my little neck of the United States. Now, if I lived in town, closer to the farmer's market, I could probably do that at least in the summertime in Michigan. But, you know, otherwise, for me, I really try and minimize my time at the store, which I'll, I'll come back to in just a second. But separating out those those produce items can be important. And, and there may be some that you don't need to really 
discreetly separate out, for example, if you know that you're going to need salad greens every week, you just always know that you run into the store, you pick up salad greens. Like for me, I know that I'm going to pick up um, bell peppers every week, salad greens every week, mushrooms every week, uh, tomatoes and grape, grape or cherry tomatoes every week, sometimes regular tomatoes, avocados pretty much every week. So those are things that I know that I'm going to get every week. But then there are other things that aren't as frequent and so I need to know for I, I made an I made a big error with this this month, which is one of my kids wants a strawberry rhubarb crumble was the recipe that she picked. So I paired that with something else. Um, and I bought the rhubarb when I did my big grocery shopping trip, not thinking that this is not used until I didn't put this on the menu until like the fourth week. And so the rhubarb, I should have probably frozen it because I think rhubarb can be frozen, but I didn't think about it in advance. So I'm going to have to buy more rhubarb and that went into the compost. So you don't want to do something like that. And that can get, it can get tedious. It can get tedious to, to do that breakdown. So what I typically do, just so that you know, when I'm doing 30 days of meals is I use OneNote, that's Microsoft OneNote, um, Evernote, something else along those lines would be the equivalent. But I list out the recipes and I note the cookbook usually by an acronym. So um, Trim Healthy Mama Cookbook would be THM. And then a page number. So I just list out the the recipe title like uh, breakfast casserole, which is what we had for breakfast this morning, THM, and then whatever the page number is. And then I list the ingredients, but I don't do anything else because when I'm in the kitchen, I usually go back to the cookbook. If it's a recipe that is a proven winner, I will sometimes take the time to put it in my recipe software, which I'm trying to work on a bit more now. And I might do a podcast episode about that in the future, but I'm not there yet. But that way I have a list of the recipes and the ingredients needed right at my fingertips. And then I can put all of that together on a shopping list a little bit easier. So then I'll usually open up another note and start the shopping list while going down that list of recipe titles with the ingredients and the quantities. And I I don't need to do this actually anymore really because my I'm doing my grocery shopping online but I have the layout of my grocery store memorized, and so I can automatically order the list, which can be helpful because all the produce items end up together. But you may want to do the produce by week, and I don't want to get too complex, so forgive me for going off on that. But just the one thing when, when you're planning in advance is knowing what produce you're going to need in what week, because sometimes you don't want something to rot in the fridge. But that is... You know, those are some things that help me. Now, one thing that makes a big difference for me is the way that I've chosen to do lunches and breakfasts. So I've, if you've ever heard me talk about meal planning or if you've taken any of my classes where I talk about meal planning, I talk about some different options with meal planning. And I'm using a bit of a hybrid right now with what I'm doing for breakfasts and lunches. So my breakfast menu is the same every week. So every Monday is the same thing. Every Sunday is the same thing. Every Wednesday is the same thing that we had the week before. The only time it changes is 
is if I've got leftovers or something that are suitable for breakfast that I need. For example, we made homemade pizza a couple weeks ago, and apparently the kids had all filled up on apples from the orchard, and nobody ate much of it, so we had that for a breakfast, and we had cold homemade pizza for a breakfast later on in the week. But usually it's always the same thing. And that allows me to have a standing menu or a standing grocery list for breakfasts. And it's always the same thing every week. So any produce, for example, the breakfast casserole uses spinach. So I know that I need to buy a little bit of fresh spinach every week for that. Um, So those things are always there. Now, I have done the same thing for lunches, in fact, for many, many, many years of my kids' lives. And even when Scott was able to come home for lunch from work, we would have basically the same thing. So again, every Monday, the same thing. Every Tuesday, the same thing. Every Wednesday, the same thing. And it might vary seasonally, like in the winter, a lot more soups would be on the menu. But it would tend to be the same thing, and I would change it up here and there. What I decided to do this time is something slightly different. And that was to look at, I really think that this idea comes a bit more from institutions. So it's more of a thing that would be done at schools or daycares um, or extended care facilities or that kind of thing. But it, it has worked well for me, which is a cycle menu. So what that is, is I took the time to plan out four weeks worth of menus. But then, unlike our dinner menus, which I replan every 30 days, this is a cycle menu. So I just cycle right back through it. So when I've gotten through the, through the fourth week, I cycle back through. And that way, it's, it is still a standing menu, but it's slightly more complex. And for this one, talking about the produce, since it's always the same every four weeks... I have a standing grocery list for this menu where I have everything shelf-stable and meats and cheeses also on the shelf-stable list, eggs, since they usually keep. But all of the produce that's fresh produce is listed by week one, week two, week three, week four in a separate column on that list so that when I go to the grocery store and I know what week I'm on, I can just grab the things on that list. So it's slightly more complicated, but it's still pre-planned. And I like this because it has enough variety in it that when I have kids who may be pickier about something, I know that they're not going to face that same food every week. And I feel like it really allows me to get things that are richer in their diet. Now with the cycle menu, I also did something with this menu that I've talked about before. And this is something that our foremothers did a lot which is each day had a particular kind of theme. So for me, um, Sundays are, the entree part of Sunday is is more cheese-based, and then Monday is egg-based. Tuesday is usually kind of a chicken. Wednesday is a fish. Thursday is a beef. And Friday is a bean. So, or, or nut-based. So the... That made it a little bit easier when I was doing the initial planning that it was like, okay, what's an egg-based dish that I can serve? Um, So for example, week one's Monday is uh, a basic stir fry with egg. Week two is omelets. Week three is egg and a whole and homemade bread. And week four is scrambled eggs with turkey bacon. So all of those are egg-based meals. So that... 
that was how I decided and planned those. And again, it's the same every four weeks. Now, if you look, and you'll be able to look because I'll make this available for y'all if you want to download. If you look at the menu for lunch, it's pretty complicated because like I said earlier, I actually based this off of what I was seeing on the French menus, which is that the meals have more than one course, basically. And when I looked at the different menus, and I don't know, this is certainly not canon, y'all, um, but I I saw that they typically had a soup or a broth. They almost always served milk. I think school children in the world over almost always get milk. And then there was a veggie or fruit course. There was almost always a cheese course, though I noticed sometimes the cheese course was chocolate. And so there dark chocolate appears on my cheese course a couple times throughout the month. And then there was the main course. And so if you look at my menu, there's a super broth, there's milk, there's a veggie or fruit, either a cheese or a treat, like a, ch- a square dark chocolate, and then there's the main meal. And at first I thought, okay, I'm not going to have to make as much of the entree because my kids are getting, you know, they're going to have a cheese side and a, and a veggie or fruit side, and they're going to have a cup of broth, and they're going to have a cup of milk. Well, now that I'm well into using this cycle menu, I have realized that my children have ginormous appetites, and so I do just need to make a normal, <laughs> a normal size of the entree. Um, but you know, and there's times when they'll eat less, but on the whole, you know, they really, uh, they really enjoy it. And so that's kind of where I wanted to go with this: is okay, how do I do something that certainly on paper looks quite complex? My dad was visiting when I was putting this together, and he's like, "I was watching you do that on the screen, and it was just mind-boggling." But so, how do I do that? So part of it is having the menu plan done and having the menu done. And I literally have this menu. In OneNote, I have the OneNote app on my Surface. I have the OneNote app on my phone. So I can pull up this menu and look at it. And I also have it printed and stuck in my spice cabinet. So if I don't have one of those with me on the kitchen counter, one of those devices, I can pull it down and look at it. So I always know what I'm gonna make. I always know what week I'm in and what I'm gonna make. And and if you choose to download it, you'll see that on that, Um, cycle menu. I also have the breakfast, even though the breakfast is same every week. Uh, But I also have the breakfast listed and I also have the snack. So I've planned out the snack is the same as breakfast. It's the same snack every Monday, the same snack every Tuesday, the same snack every Wednesday and so forth. So that, um, you know, it's easy. And like, and I know uh, we use apples and oranges or another citrus. My kids really like cuties and those kinds of things. So, and celery and carrots. So I always know that I need a bag of those uh, throughout the week. And then another thing that we use a lot of in the snacks and in the lunches especially is frozen fruit. Um, I experimented a little bit this last month with um, canned fruit. And I, I haven't made a decision on that yet. I feel like it, it makes things a little easier. And also my older kids are less likely to go snack on it when they're not supposed to. They like going in the freezer and like just pulling out a handful of blueberries. Um, but anyways, I've experimented with both frozen fruit and canned fruit. 
And I know that the frozen fruit's a little bit higher in nutritional value, but so I might lean to that. But it's sometimes it's a balance of cost and and that kind of thing. But for example, the fruit when I'm talking about that is if we're doing a berry cup, which is literally like a cup of blueberries with heavy cream poured over it and it freezes on it and it's just it's so yummy and my kids love it. We'll always use frozen fruit for that. But if I'm serving like cottage cheese with fruit or yogurt and fruit, sometimes I'll use the canned fruit. So, um, and then in the summertime, we'll use more fresh fruit. But we're we're in apple season right now, but we're moving out of the growing season, at least where we are. But, okay, so I don't want to ramble too much about that. But let's get back to looking at, okay. Yeah, so that's just kind of standardized, but it's kind of, it is kind of complex, but it's it's easy for me now that I've done the groundwork, I've done the planning, it's easy for me. And one thing is, is I knew at this point my kids' tastes, and so I would say that I, I had a winner with the first thing I planned. Some of the things like the breakfast casserole, which is like a quiche, my kids are taking a little bit of work to get used to that, but... I want them to learn to like that, so we persist with having that every week. But really, most of the foods I knew that my kids would like. Now, we have been a little bit adventurous, like for the cheese course, trying some new cheeses like Gouda's that we had never tried before. And I would say that for the most part, those things have been a hit. Fresh mozzarella, my kids have discovered that they love that. Uh, They really love Saturday lunches because we've done more of a snack lunch with sliced cheeses and olives and sliced fruits and veggies and things, and they really like that. So... We've been able to try some things that they hadn't tried before, and really I hadn't tried a lot before, and have really been quite pleasantly surprised. So it's been fun. But like I said a few minutes ago, one of the things that I think has helped me a lot is that I've switched a lot of my grocery shopping to online. I was always able to shop online from Sam's, or I have been able to for almost a decade. But uh, recently, um, Walmart, which is the grocery store that I shop at in our town, got online shopping availability. So I'm able to, and I really do like the way that they do it because, for example, if I want to shop a week from now, I could go ahead and put in my order tonight and be able to make changes to it. And I really like that. I'll put a link to Walmart's program. I know some of y'all don't like Walmart, but I like Walmart. I'm feeding a big family. Um, And I feel like their selection and the amount of good, nourishing, healthy foods has really improved uh, over the past few years. So I'm pleased with them. And I'll put a link so that you can, um, you know, so that you can check that out if you're interested. But I like it because I can put in the grocery order several days before and then if I think of things or notice things that I forgot, like I run out of a spice or a staple, I can go back and add it on and that's really nice. So one of the things that I try and do, and it's especially easy now, I've been doing this for years without being able to have them loaded in the car for me, which is to do once a month grocery shopping. And for that, like I've said several times before, anything shelf stable, anything non-perishable, anything canned, anything that can go in the freezer, like uh, shredded cheeses or meats, uh, fish, frozen veggies, frozen fruits, anything like that. We have a big freezer, which is certainly a boon. You would have to adapt this if you don't have that level of space. But for us being way, way far away from the grocery store, really, it's so helpful. And it means that 
uh, we have one day where we have to do kind of this big trip, but then I don't have to again. On that day, I also run by Oriana, which is our natural foods co-op, because there's a few things that I can only get there. Um, and so I run by there, and I also run by Sam's to get the few things there. And then through in the weeks in between where I'm not doing that, I will make a stop in for for fresh dairy and produce as I need those things either in town if I'm already in town or we do have a little grocery store local to us and I'll go in there on the off weeks because it helps support the local grocer and it's also close it doesn't take very long so usually when we run to the library once a week I can run in there um, if necessary so these are the things I do and I know that this episode's getting a little bit longer already But those are the things that I do to plan the meals and then to get the food back to the house because really and truly, that's a huge part of it is knowing what I'm making and having what I need to make those foods. So then the next part is actually how do I actually prepare these meals every day without going out of my mind or spending ages in the kitchen? Probably the biggest thing that I've done that's helped me is is learning to look ahead. And I've known for many years that if you know what you're making for supper, it removes so much stress. And part of what's really stressful about meals is that they keep happening and you keep feeling unprepared and ambushed by this meal that has to be made. And it just feels like a huge imposition. But when you take a little bit of time... It's not so much. So this, I in the episode that I did a couple weeks ago about the dinner challenge, I talked about the dinner playbook. And that book gave the tip to do as much food prep as you could in the morning before you left for work or before you got started with your day. And that tip has truly been worth its weight in gold. Now, I've actually taken that. I still do it. I'll come back to this in a second, the prep in the morning. But one thing that I found is super helpful is to review at supper time. So when it, and, and that's my cue because I'm going to be in the, in the kitchen working on supper anyways. So at supper time, I take a minute to review. I look at, I look at tomorrow when I'm working on today. So I sit down for a minute and I look at what does my menu plan say for the day and what does the cycle menu say is gonna be for breakfast, lunch, and snack. So then I know, okay, this is what's coming for dinner and then this is what's coming for breakfast, lunch, and snack. And what I actually have started doing is I pull out a sticky note, I write down the next night's supper at the top, the supper and the side dish, and then I write down the the things that are gonna be for um, breakfast and for lunch. I don't write down the snack. I do have a kid that does snack. My 15 year old right now gets snack ready for everything, everybody else. So I don't I don't worry about that one so much. Um, but I write those things down and then I take that sticky note and I, and I set it up uh, just in my spice cabinet, like, you know, kind of nestled there with my spice bottles because that's that cabinet happens to be above the counter where I do all my food preparation conveniently so so that way I know exactly what's coming 
And for a couple, two of my breakfast recipes, uh, one of them needs night before prep, which is a baked oatmeal that soaks overnight. And the other, the breakfast casserole, benefits from being prepared the night before because there's a skillet step that if I do while I'm making dinner, A, that dish gets washed in the dishwasher at supper time, and B, I don't have to do that step in the morning, which makes my life a little bit easier. So I can start those breakfasts if needed, but then I know uh, what's coming. So then my major mealtime prep, and this is the thing that really makes it stress-free for me, is that I do as much of that meal prep as I can in the morning, and I do as much as I can for every meal coming that day. So I get up in the morning, and I have my time for me, my quiet time, exercise time, getting ready for the day and everything. And then I start mealtime prep or meal prep while I'm chatting with Scott in the morning. So I go in the kitchen and we're talking and I open up the spice cabinet and I look over that sticky note. And so I look and see, do I need to thaw any meats or do I need to marinate anything? And I get those ready to be thawing or marinating. And then I look over and I see what else, you know, what else do I need to do? So I get breakfast going. I start, I mentioned that we have a broth or a soup and they're really simple, the lunchtime ones. It's either tomato soup made with homemade broth or an egg drop soup made with homemade broth or it's just warm salted and buttered broth depending on what day of the week it is. And so I have a small crock pot and like it's a little thing, I'm not certain. I would guess probably it's a five quart crock pot. And so I do about a quart of soup, a quart, quart and a half of soup broth in that. And I just set that on to warm and put the lid on the crock pot. And if it's the tomato soup, I just, I put the tomato sauce in with the broth and, um, and just put the lid on and then I stir it up and season it at lunchtime. But that's super simple. It takes seconds to do. So the soup is super simple. Um, so I'm just kind of going down the list on my sticky note. I get the soup going after I get breakfast going. Then the next thing I look at is what veggies will I need. So I chop all the veggies that I can at that point. And I put together salads or veggie dishes. Some of the dishes, like well, if we're having mozzarella and tomato slices, I'll put those together and stick that in the fridge. So, and then any other prep that I can possibly do that morning. One thing that the dinner playbook talks about is even if it's just pulling out the cans that you need. So if you're going to use, say, canned pumpkin or tomato sauce or something in that night's supper, pull that out and put it at the back of the counter. Uh, And it really does make a difference. I get the cookbook down that I'm going to use for dinner that night. Excuse me, ladies. So... Anything that I can do that morning, I do. And for me, this time is really nice because there are no children up in my house when I'm doing this. Um, The kids just don't get up quite that early. I usually start this around 6. And so it's nice for me um, because I get to chat for a bit. I get everything started. And then usually I have a few minutes of time where I can go back and read a little bit in a book, maybe just for a few minutes, but read a little bit or maybe uh, finish up my prayers or take a few more minutes to, to get myself going for the day and then come back out because breakfast is usually getting about done at that point and finish up. Um, and so from about 6 to 7, but I'm not I'm not usually working that entire block of time. It's really quite casual for me. And like I said, it's peaceful for me to do. And the dividends are just 
so great because I've gotten a head start on so much. Any veggies are prepared, any salads are prepared, any cheeses are prepared. Um, All of that sort of thing is done. So when it comes time to get lunch or dinner ready, uh, again, even if it's only been that I've been able to pull the cans out, there's just a lot less to do. So today uh, we had um, cheese tortillas is what I made for the kids for lunch. So I just put oil in the pan and heated the tortillas, put the cheese on, folded those over, But their salad was already made, their tomato soup was already made, and they had had chocolate squares today. And so that was just opening up the package of dark chocolate and putting each square on a plate. And, you know, so it's, and then the kids will usually serve the milk. I don't have to do that. So somebody else pours the milk. So it, it was what ended up being a filling, nourishing lunch. But most of the work had been done by me in the morning. And even though I don't, I don't typically eat the same thing that they do for lunch just because I'm trying to stick with Trim Healthy Mama right now. So uh, for me, though, it was, it was still simple because I had decided I was going to have uh, a seasoned chicken breast with mushrooms and Swiss and then the salad. So I did share part of their side and I did have a square of dark chocolate, um, But I just, I had to put my mushroom slices in and I cooked the chicken breast in another little skillet while I was cooking their tortillas. And so then my food was, you know, ready too and and pretty easy. I don't always do as well with my food. I actually do have my meals planned every week, but sometimes this this is the place where I will let it slide is sometimes if things do get hectic in the morning or they're busy, I don't do as well with my food prep. And then I end up having uh, something simple like a chicken salad on lettuce or something. But anyways, so that's just kind of an overview of how I do it. And really that morning prep time, like I said, it spans about an hour, but I don't it's, I'm not spending that entire hour in the kitchen usually. I'm also back and forth. I'll, I'll uh, transfer laundry. Like if I started laundry, I'll transfer that over, make the bed, all that kind of stuff, get myself ready for the day. So those things are kind of interspersed. Another thing that I do too is uh, after Scott and I have chatted for a bit and he's off doing his thing, getting ready for work, I will sometimes have uh, my tablet and I'll watch something. So, if, you know, sometimes I want to watch a mom talk about homeschool topics or any, you know, advocacy or something else that I'm interested in. And so I'll queue up that video and play it while I'm doing preparation, which is almost impossible to do that kind of thing later on in the day when it's just noisy, noisy, noisy. And like when I'm preparing supper, it's like mama is fair game at that time. It's like mama, 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 because the kids know that that's a time that they'll be able to to engage with me and get my attention pretty well because I'm not going to be trying to work or write anything or hopefully I'm not going to be trying to do another kid's lesson or correcting another child or something so it's mama's kind of fair game at that point of uh, in time but in the morning I can watch a video or I can listen to an audiobook sometimes and so those can be nice and it's funny because I don't you know, I'm, I'm working on a video right now that's an hour long, and I, I would say that I've been watching bit, a little bit of it every morning for at least a week. <laughs> so I don't get a lot 
of watching in, but it, it feels like precious time for me sometimes, and I do get to watch those things that I want to watch during that time. So kind of multitasking a little bit, but I feel like, you know, you can do that. So really, it's not that meals of this caliber are easy or require no time in the kitchen, but it's just that I've figured out how to arrange the day so that it happens when the kitchen is quietest and in a way that goes really smoothly where I can kind of batch like doing all the veggies at once, uh, for example. And that, you know, that really does help. It really does make a difference because I really do feel like we're able to keep things pretty stress-free and pretty quality. And one thing I do think that helps at lunchtime is usually because serving multiple courses at lunch, just serving all the things can get a little bit overwhelming. And this is another place that my 15 year old and my nine year old actually tend to be really helpful with is, oh, what can I help with? And so I'll say, oh, if you can get the cheeses served out or, oh, if you could put salad on the plates while I'm working on the entree. And that can be, it can be tricky because if I have too many kids in the kitchen with me, then it's mayhem and you're stepping on people. And so I want to keep it real here. But having, you know, older kids can sometimes help or, oh, you did, you know, you serve the soups. And I've been, I've started putting the kids soups into teacups, Corelware teacups, and just like one scoop that they can sip out of there. And then the, the older boys' soups go into soup bowls, but the younger ones into teacups. And so, oh, if you can carry the teacups to the table, that would be really helpful for me because then that gets that out of the kitchen and I can focus on plating the rest of the food. So those are things that help. So anything that needs to be made hot in the moment, uh, obviously you're going to make at that meal time. But really, meal time takes a lot less time overall because you've done so much of the prep beforehand. Now, again, I know this episode's gotten a little bit long, so I want to wrap it up for you. But one more prep tip that I want to give to you that's really helped me, and I honestly do not remember where this tip came from. So if I can recall that, um, I will try and put it in the show notes. But I did get this from another mom. Um, But that tip is to have backup meals planned out and to have on hand. And it's really best if these things are shelf-stable backup meals. So, for example, one of mine is spaghetti. So I have jars of pre-made spaghetti sauce and pasta. And, and, you know, you could have meat too, but we've done it without. So if the another thing would be like uh, beans and rice or something like that. So that is if the night or the day is completely derailed. Like we have some boxes of mac and cheese and some chicken nuggets in the freezer, right? If a day is totally derailed for whatever reason, then you know that these are things that you can just throw on and have cooked relatively quickly. And that that does happen. There was one day last week where I was just exhausted and there was no way that I was going to be able to do the recipe that was called for. So we had the salad and we had a quick spaghetti with it, but 
I just, I actually just on my meal plan calendar, I just highlighted that meal to let me know that I hadn't made it. It was sour cream waffles, which I think was a meal that Corwin chose. But, you know, that one's a pretty easy one that I can either put it at the end of the month um, or I can incorporate it into next month so that he gets that. But that tip really helped me was to have, uh, you know, three or four of those plan B meals, so to speak, planned out. And another thing that can help, and this is something I'm hoping to do in the next 30 days, is plan some meals that I know freeze easily and then doubling some meals while I'm making them because my freezer meal stock is a little bit low. But that's another thing that can help is having some lasagnas or casserole or something up in the freezer so that if you know at say 3.30 that you're exhausted and you're not going to be able to make what you planned, you can go ahead and throw that lasagna right in the oven and then pull out you know, maybe the baby got really fussy. So you made the salad in the morning, but you know that you're not going to be able to do whatever it was that you were planning later on that evening. You just throw the baby or (laughs) throw the baby, listen to me, throw the lasagna in, put the baby in the baby carrier and go for a walk so that both of you are out in nature and calming down. And then, you know, you get back and your house smells lovely and you pop the, the, the salad out put some salad dressings out, get this beautiful lasagna that you made on another day when you were neither of you were quite so fussy. So that idea of a plan B meal, I think is definitely a sanity saver. You can have the same for breakfast, you know, okay, uh, there is no way I'm going to do this breakfast this morning. So we are going to have cereal, you know, that is totally okay. And what I think it, it, one thing, this is from French kids eat everything as well. And I've caught myself saying this a number of times is, Um, it's okay to eat unhealthy foods sometimes. And I'll tell my kids that if they're like, oh, we're having cereal, and you said cereal isn't the healthiest, mom. And it's like, it's okay to have unhealthy foods sometimes. And it's okay to plan on unhealthy foods sometimes, for example, an ice cream party or something where you're not having your own fresh churned ice cream. But I hope, I know that I spend a lot of time on the grocery planning and the menu planning, but that really does, that forms the crux because once you have the plan, it's getting in the kitchen and then learning how to execute is what I talked about with that time in the kitchen and then having the backup plan so that you don't feel stressed if if things don't work out. Um, and, and then that's okay. You know, just shift those things around. Or if there was a meal that was just kind of a blase meal coming up a few days later, you can bump that meal and put the meal that you ended up missing on the day that was a hard day. Um, and, and do take, like, for example, I know that on Sunday evenings is a good evening for us to make a little bit of a fancier meal, whereas during the week they want to be simpler meals. So think about that when you do your meal planning too, um, when you're going to put your fancy meals and when you're going to put your simpler meals. But anyways, I will leave you with those tips. Let me know if this helped you. I will put, you will be able to go to the show notes for this episode and download a copy of my cycle menu, which includes breakfasts, lunches, and snacks for four weeks. And feel free to use those as is or to be inspired by them or whatever. Um, They're there for you. So I will, uh, well, if you want to hear more from me, definitely head over to trustbirth101.com. That's trustbirth101.com. You can sign up for the new newsletter, you'll get notified of new podcast episodes, new blog posts, and all that kind of stuff. Also, when I finally get the Facebook group launched, you'll get notification of that. So head over to trustbirth101.com, and I hope you have a blessed week, and I will talk to you next week.